1: Good morning. It is Friday, May 5th. It is five minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. Hey, this is a reminder that uh, Sunday is Prayer Day on the south lawn of the State House, the Capitol building, at 4 p.m. There will be something going on there. Uh, yesterday was the National Day of Prayer, which we were we remiss. We forgot to mention that.
0: Yes, and Mike, I think Mike is doing something with that for the prayer. for It's four p.m. Sunday at the State House, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: On the South Lawn, it is uh, Kendall and Casey, and let's talk about this. Brian Epstein's Island, yeah, it's been sold. The five star. I don't know. You want to call it a resort, a hotel? It's got a twenty-five room. Retreat. Well, let,
0: let's be real clear. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein Brian Epstein was a very famous uh, music producer. Wrong, I believe. Wrong Epstein. Yeah, wasn't he the Beatles <laughs> yes, manager? Yes, wrong Epstein. Yes, yes, Jeff- Completely different guy. <laughs> yes, I just I and I hated right. to correct you. I just I thought we're about to talk about some horrific stuff and then yeah, people are yeah, going yeah. to going to think wow, boy, I just thought he was some kind old man who produced
1: the Beatles. No, no, no. Jeffrey Epstein, sorry about that. His his uh, island, it's been snapped up for the low, low price of sixty million dollars by a billionaire.
0: Now that was a fraction of what he the the estate or whatever you want to call it was asking for I think they were asking for 125 million and yes uh, it is uh, t- uh, across the islands of Little Saint James and Great Saint James in the U.S. Virgin Islands and this guy is planning on building a 25 room retreat so he's basically planning on taking Epstein's island where all these horrific things occurred yeah and is
1: wanting to turn it into a resort. Like who's going to go there?
0: Well, this so this was my question why I put it at the top of the hour was because am I way off on saying that is just super sick that anyone would want to buy this thing given what took place there?
1: Buy it, but then to invite other people to come vacation there.
0: Well, what would you do with it if you bought it other than to do that? So that's my point. Like why would why would any person want to have their name remotely associated with this and why would you want to go stay there
1: i w- i would not i can't even imagine can you imagine that you get there okay you get to pedophile island questionable why you'd go in the first place but you get there and you're checking in to this five-star resort which you probably played a lot of money yes for your stay and they're giving you the tour around and okay here are the keys to your room we're putting you in the prince Andrew suite
0: well, I think it's a little off in the sense of he's building stuff that wasn't there before. He's not taking the existing structures and saying, "Here is where Prince Andrew stayed and may or may not have had his way with underage girls." I think he's
1: so, so a lot of renovation and remodeling is going to have to happen,
0: right? That's correct. But I, I begin again. I'll ask the same question, which is, why would you even want to do something on that property where this allegedly horrific stuff? occurred. I mainly put this on the template at the top of the hour, which where we put our most important stories, because I want to ask the question of why no one other than this woman who was associated with him has ever been charged. We know there were victims. We know he did it. We know what he was. Somebody went to this place and had these interactions with these underage girls, their stories are, I mean, there's been all the documentaries done. There's no way they're all lying. The intricate in details of the way they describe him and what happened, he clearly wasn't the only abuser. Where are the other arrests? They they. How can they not know? There's no way that that place didn't have cameras bugged out the wazoo. Do, why, have we just moved on from this and been like, well,
1: guess we'll never know? Mm-hmm. People covering for their friends. That's but, my answer. That's the only thing I can come up with. Is why haven't there been more arrests? I mean, they're,
2: look, they're because all, they're
1: buddies, they're friends. They're well, covering for their friends. Well,
0: okay, but this is this is like this is what I'm trying to get to. There are a lot of things out there about Epstein that when you first hear them, you kind of just assume well that's the you know tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist people but the further we go on this and the reality that no one has been arrested and in the case of Prince Andrew he just makes some financial deal with one of the girls and then just goes about his merry way Mm -hmm. it does start to give more and more credence to when no one gets arrested somebody went there There's no way they don't know or have evidence of who these people were. And if they don't know or have evidence, gosh darn it, Casey, you'd think they would spend every waking moment trying to figure out who these people were. So it does start to give credence that maybe the people who have the theories aren't just crazy lunatics. That maybe Jeffrey Epstein was somebody working in coordination with the government. I mean, you can say whatever you want about about me for saying that, but how is that possible? That all of this stuff, there's been documentaries on it, he was arrested for it, she's in jail now for it. Clearly the government thought they did it. Mm-hmm. That's why they tried them or mm-hmm. arrested them. Mm-hmm. But who are the people that they maneuvered around?
1: And all of the guests that went to that island All of them claim innocence, that they had no idea about his crimes and that he became a monster, a different person behind closed doors. I mean, there's reports that there is a bathroom in this establishment that has 10 shower heads and it was used for orgies and that there used to be pictures of naked underage girls plastered on the bathroom walls like that was the worst of the worst. I'm and if I, we're getting reports of that and nobody else knew
0: I'm I, I'm more convinced than ever or I'm becoming more convinced than ever and I was not a person who started with this I in initially thought these you know some of these allegations were just completely ridiculous uh, you know I'm I'm starting to become more convinced than ever that Jeffrey Epstein I don't know in what shape form or fashion was some way working with or or inside or in coordination with, I mean, how did he make all his money? Like they've never even proven how he made, while well, he was in finance. Doing what? How, did, how does someone amass that sort of wealth? I am more convinced than ever, or becoming more convinced than ever until someone proves otherwise, that Jeffrey Epstein may have indeed been, and I'm not saying this for any sort of dramatic effect, working either as a government agent or in coordination with the government to be able to assemble, I guess you would call it blackmail on people, Mm. very powerful people. Because what other logical explanation is there at this point? I'm totally willing to hear it. Call our hotline, 317-684-8444 if you have one. Mm -hmm. I'm not not saying this to be facetious. I'm not saying this to be a smart aleck. What other logical explanation is there? you have all this eyewitness testimony this guy was arrested he magically despite being if you were to look up suicide risk in the dictionary it'd be this guy the guards aren't watching him he magically is able to hang himself she's in jail clearly they think that he did it Mm -hmm. the government and yet no one else has been held accountable what other explanation is there at this point, Casey? I'm totally willing to hear it.
1: Steven Deckoff, the entrepreneur and investor who bought the property, bought the islands, he's he's saying he had never visited the islands. The first time he went there was after they were listed for sale when he decided to put an offer on it. I mean, I just can't even imagine what you would do with the place other than just level it. Ah. You're, you're going to spend that much money? you're you're buying the island nothing else because the buildings you just tear it down
0: i, I don't know but I, the public and
1: who would want to go there
0: the public deserves to know w- who these people were who went there and so i just thought this might be a catalyst for for us to have that conversation because i was totally when this thing started not a person that oh my gosh you know government conspiracy there's all mm-hmm. these famous people who are involved in this and rich powerful people and blah 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 and i thought well the names are going to come out you know, obviously they've got this guy and they've got her and the names are going to come out and, you know, one of them's going to talk and, you know, what, whatever. They never have. Nope. They never have. And so if there is a better explanation other than this guy was either working as a government agent or in coordination with the government to amass blackmail on, on people who were there, I'm totally willing to hear it because I don't have a better explanation right now.
1: Let's talk about what's going on with uh, Lionel Messi. He's been offered $400 million to play with the Saudi Pro League this summer. (laughs) Saudi Arabia offering him $400 million. By the way, that is for one year.
0: Yes. This isn't like a
1: five-year, 10-year contract. $400 million. So this is one year.
0: Now, the reason, again, we try to put top stories on the top of the template. I just want to touch on this real quick. It is another what I will call a very scary example of Saudi Arabia flaunting their infinite wealth which is obtained by us refusing to have energy independence in this country and you can chuckle at some soccer guy getting 400 million for one year and you can chuckle at golfers at the tail end of their career getting 300 million to go play golf mm-hmm. but it is a flex that's what this is it is a flex of the wealth and might of Saudi Arabia Showing you what else they can do. And when they're doing with arms or nuclear weapons or their military, it ain't going to be funny then. And we are funding this because of our country's unwillingness to do basic things to provide energy independence.
1: So they're calling this sports washing. Yeah. And that is just an attempt to improve their nation's image. And also- divert your attention away from human rights records and also what you just said how much money they have and how reliant the rest of the world is on their oil
0: yeah and and look is saudi arabia a bad actor yes absolutely and would they probably do bad things to us if they thought they could get away with it yes are they however better than some of the other alternatives such as say iran or syria in the in the area yes but this is not something people should look at and chuckle about because th- that is, as we said, a total flex by this country to show the world, look at how much money we have mm-hmm. and look at what we can actually do.
1: It's not because Lionel Messi, I mean, he many will say he is the greatest soccer player on earth, but... <laughs> 400 million for one year? Right,
0: that's correct. Yeah. Even I'm not worth that.
1: No, no, you are. We just don't have that kind of cash. <laughs> it is 17 minutes after 11, and an Alabama baseball coach was fired after some mysterious bets were placed against his team. And that is on the way from 93 WIBC.
2: Life is so much more than a diagnosis, it's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up
1: with Kendall and Casey on 93WIBC. There's your Dan Fogelberg, Rob. It's the
0: greatest song ever written about the Kentucky Derby, Casey, which is this weekend. So
1: emotional.
2: Well,
1: that's about, it's about love, Kev. It's a song yeah. about love.
2: Love will do that to you.
1: Aren't all songs about love, honestly? I mean, you know, most of them. So let's talk and about... And he didn't even steal it from Marvin Gaye or Tom Petty. It's original. <laughs> All original. It came straight from him. Let's talk about some things that are trending this morning. Cell phone use in downtown Indianapolis is 41% of what it was pre-pandemic. So a study was done, and it's showing that downtowns across the country are turning into ghost towns. San Francisco, St. Louis, and Portland, of course, leading the pack of these ghost town downtowns. Well, I think
0: you got two things going on here. Number one, uh, obviously a lot of people have not ever returned to work. And I think the other part of this is that people do not in their spare time want to come down to downtown Indianapolis because this mayor has proven he is unwilling to keep the city safe. And now with the the uh, rise of the suburbs, places like Carmel and Westfield and, you know, various Greenwood,
1: there's other all options. Right. There's less reason to come downtown. Also trending, Governor Holcomb, he signed into law. Well, he signed, what, 91? Bills until no law? vetoes, no vetoes. One of the laws that he signed is a requirement for government meetings in Indiana to be live streamed or recorded. Oh, and uh, this is HE 1167, yeah. on May 1st. The new law doesn't go into effect until July 1st of 2025. Boy, that's going to make our job easier.
0: I uh, so love how John Herrick delivered that news on the cast this morning. Mm -hmm. He said something like he was doing the news report on Holcomb signing all these bills. And uh, John goes, and the governor... Has not vetoed a single bill.
1: <laughs> Good for you, John. <laughs> also trending this morning, D. Snyder. He's been axed from the lineup of a San Francisco Pride parade. Uh, he It's allegedly over a transphobic tweet that he put out in which he agreed with a statement criticizing child sex changes. So you'd think that they would know where someone stands before they put him in their San Francisco Pride lineup.
0: Well, also think about that, though. He's against child sex. Changes, and that was enough to get him bounced.
1: That's, yeah, that's what got him kicked out. <laughs> so regarding Title 42 ending on May 11th, Corinne Jean-Pierre says the administration is taking it very seriously.
2: I, I can't say what it's going to look like after uh, after May 11th, but what I can say is that this is an administration that has taken the challenges that we see at the border very seriously since day one. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: sure. 63 million illegal immigrants have crossed the border since Biden took office, but they're taking it very seriously, just like they take inflation seriously, just like they took the withdrawal of Af- Afghanistan seriously, uh, just like they take Hunter Biden seriously. They are very serious.
0: Seriously, Casey, what are you getting? What? Well, seriously, Casey, what aren't you getting? What? Seriously. No, they're seriously. seriously. They're Seriously.
1: Seriously, they are serious. And finally, Michelle Obama is releasing Plesi. This is a healthy... Who? It's called Plesi. It's a healthy food and drink brand oh. to fight childhood obesity. <laughs> well, that'll go over well with our audience. The only thing that I question about this, besides everything, is that it contains a lot of sugar still. Oh. So, healthy?
0: She, she was anti-sugar. Yeah. Correct. She wasn't she the one who took all the sugar out of the vending machines?
1: Right, but they're putting things like stevia, and it's it's lower sugar than a full-fledged soda pop, but- you can't healthy yeah. when you're putting sugar supplements into something, it still has the sugar and calories. Who's in it. the
0: person who's like, Well, I don't know what I'm gonna eat? I guess I'll eat this because Michelle Obama is for it. Right. Like in the sixties where people are going, I don't know what to get. Well, Lady Bird Johnson, she's for whatever. And <laughs> in the nineties was it, Well, you know, we're kinda on the fence. Well, you know, Barbara Bush
1: said mm-hmm. Well, isn't that very similar to endorsements? You know, on campaign. I don't know who to vote for, but... uh my favorite actor endorsed this politician, so that's what I'm going to go with.
0: Uh, if you try some of this crap, uh, you, please let us know. Call the hotline, 317-684-8444. Let us know if it is as horrific as we <clears throat> had uh, anticipa- anticipated it
1: was. Okay, so this Alabama baseball coach, Brad Bohannon, he was fired yesterday. This is because of an investigation into suspicious betting activity on his Crimson Tide baseball team. So there's, this is
0: like an ever-moving story, and it's now the most interesting story in, in all of sports. So... Uh Alabama was playing LSU in baseball. Mm -hmm. There was multiple suspicious bets placed in Ohio of all places. Yeah. Ohio is then alerted. The gaming commissioner, whatever it is called there, was alerted. There is an actual company who monitors wagers. That's their job. And they somehow picked up on this. It was flagged as a suspicious wager. They alerted the state of Ohio. Ohio shuts down the betting on the game. Indiana and New Jersey then follow suit. Mm-hmm. And now this guy has been fired. And now the newest update, according to ESPN, was that the better was apparently in contact. There was some way they, I guess they allege that they have proven that the better who made the suspicious bet was in contact with the Alabama baseball coach. Alabama ultimately lost the game. They were down big early, then came back, but lost eight to six on this March eight uh, March sixteenth game. ESPN described it as the starting pitcher for that day. Ace Luke Holcomb was scratched before the LSU game because of back tightness and was replaced by sophomore Hagen Banks. Mm-hmm. So. If you were to read through the lines on this, and I am not saying this is what actually happened. But sounds what,
1: like the coach threw the game.
0: What? Well, it sounds like the coach <laughs> might, might have, maybe, who knows, could have, let this better in question know, this guy is not going to pitch today. You might want to sprint a bet over there mm-hmm. if you're feeling... Frisky.
1: Well, who's to say that the coach didn't have money in that too? You
0: don't. Well, we don't know. And the fact that he has been fired, there is investigations. Again, Indiana, Indiana, New Jersey, Ohio, I believe, have banned for now any betting on Alabama baseball. It's just a very, very fascinating uh, story, and we'll see where it goes.
1: Yeah, the NCAA policy does prohibit athletes, coaches, and personnel from betting on sports because of this very reason. Yeah, they could take out the starters and and put in the bench warmers.
0: Yep. Let's take a break. When we come back, Robert Vane is going to join us. He was Greg Ballard former mayor of Indianapolis. He was his communications director. Uh, Ballard, of course, the last Republican in Marion County to have any sort of success. And Robert has a new article out in IndyStar about the things that Jefferson Shreve, the current Republican nominee for the mayor of Indianapolis, can learn from Greg Ballard and his campaigns.
1: What he needs to do to win. That's coming up from 93 WIBC. Will they the Chicken Man and Philly Lass. The property tax song. The original. Love. it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. We're going to have a Rhino moment, huh? Oh, Oh, (laughs) you're joking. There he is, yes.
3: (laughs) That is is absolutely correct, you know.
0: So Robert Vane, he is the former uh, communications director for Greg Ballard. You know what I love about you, Vane, is you're totally honest. uh, You're 100% entrenched in the establishment. You would love, you said, an entire hour once a month called the Rhino Hour and people could just...
3: The conservatives oh. just
0: say mean things to you.
3: Oh, you, I, I can't believe it hasn't happened already. I was told I was told Garrison would be here. <laughs> There's uh, Greg.
0: <laughs> okay, so I thought let, let, let this piece you had in uh, Indie Star was fascinating because you were
3: Ballard's communication uh, director. And well, I was I was comms director at State Party basically when he won. Yeah, and then I was his press secretary for the transition, and then I eventually worked in the administration for right. a couple years.
0: So you were there. You saw what he did successfully in terms of winning what a lot of people thought at one point was especially after kind of Peterson had cruised to re-election in 2003, an un- unwinnable race, an unwinnable city. And you wrote a piece in IndyStar that I thought was very interesting about what Shreve, Jefferson Shreve, the Republican nominee now, could learn from Greg Ballard. And, and for those people who haven't had a chance to read the column yet, what's the number one thing Jefferson
3: Shreve should be learning from Greg Ballard? Visit people where they're comfortable Ask them what their biggest worries are, mm. and then be honest about what it takes to address them. You know, Ballard's almost a metaphor, right? Right. Well, Greg Ballard did it. There's one thing that I didn't write in my column that, that maybe I'll write in, in a future one. And that is, you know, not only do Republicans remember what happened in 2007, but so do the Democrats. And they're not going to forget it. Yeah. Just like we aren't. And, you know, what Ballard did, I thought Ballard, I thought Mayor Ballard was going to get absolutely clocked 40 points like Washington generals lit. (laughs) And when I was offered to help him in the summer and fall, it really was because, you know, I was in the Army, he was in the Marine Corps, my mother and father were in the Marine Corps, Republican, like, that's what you do. You just help. And, I was working channel eight the night that he won and i was astounded did you
0: get a feeling with ballard because i want to come back to what you talked about meeting people where where they are and where they're comfortable in a second but did you get a feeling at any point until the vote was tallied hey this guy's got a shot to win
3: i was told by kyle walker who was the executive director of the marion county republican party at the time quote this dude's got a shot to win close quote and that was in october and I was like, "Well, yeah, but you know, Peterson was a pretty good mayor. I mean, he was. Well, especially compared to what we got now. Well, he should go into the Indianapolis Hall of Fame just for charter schools. I mean, that was that was so much of that was him, and he had a really bad six months, and that was the last six months of 2007. But I mean, if the election had been in June, he'd have, he'd have clobbered him. But you know, the one thing and and the mayor and I don't agree on this, Mayor Ballard." The fact that Mayor Ballard was in the Marine Corps as an officer and had seen combat in the Persian Gulf War meant that his public safety's job one message was bought by the voters because Marines are tough and they're mission oriented. You know, if he had been in the Air Force, no offense, (laughs) or the Coast Guard, no offense, they'd have been like, what does that mean? But when a Marine says, I'm going to get tough. They believe it. And then I think that's one of the things that differentiates him from Shreve. Right. Obviously, Shreve doesn't have that background. What Shreve does have is a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Thank God. That's why he's probably hanging out with you now. You. Lo- that's who you hang out with, people who have all the money. He signs my passport to go to Brownsburg. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Vain is our guest.
0: He's got to do column out at in Indie Star about what Jefferson Shreve needs to uh to do uh, in order to win this mayor's race. You talked about meeting people where they are. And I think that's such a good point because Ballard was so good about going places Republicans don't normally go.
3: And look at Greg Ballard, right? I mean, if you didn't know he was mayor, you'd think he was the general manager of the rallies in Southport. I mean, he's got that every man appearance. And there's such an underestimation for what serving in the military means to voters, where I believe Shreve has an advantage, besides the fact that obviously he has money, is he has a greater understanding of the city issues through some of his service. He has a terrific group of advisors and folks. I think his messaging has been on point. And the other thing I'll say lastly is, I think residents of Indianapolis, the voters are are willing to listen.
0: How, how do they? How do you get though the people who? I mean, Ryan Mears was on the ballot last year. Hardly hard yeah, do any worse than that, and they still voted for him.
3: He he performed worse of all the countywide Democrats. He was the only one under sixty percent. But I would also say, in Ryan Mears, uh, uh, you know, won so winning's all that matters. He has no name ID. Not gonna. You have to have someone to blame for your anger, for your angst, for your disappointment. And Joe Hogsett's name ID is probably as close to 100 as anyone in the city. And so you don't have to spend money and spend time telling people who is the mayor and this is why it's the mayor's fault. You had to tell people, this is the prosecutor and this is the prosecutor's fault. If you can skip that middle step, then your money is in messaging is so much more efficient.
0: We got about two minutes left. Is crime the issue? If you were, maybe you are advising the kids, You, so I don't know. Maybe you're, you're advising everyone. Uh, is crime the issue? You, I mean, is that the thing that e- if you're Jefferson Shreve, you're all the ads are focused on that.
3: There's a general. I don't believe crime was why Ballard won in seven. He won it's a because different set
1: of, of circumstances, though. He won
3: because of the COIT increase, the sixty-five percent raising in the local option income tax. That's what cemented his victory you know homicides under greg ballard were under triple digits this first four years criminal homicides ex killing y for whatever crime's big but crime doesn't affect everybody it doesn't affect you know in your exclusive gated community kendall you know what's their what crime is there they use the wrong fork
1: yeah but he's also not voting for mayor and i am Robert, in, I mean, I live in Indianapolis. And I and, live in
3: Fountain Square, and, so I'm okay, right there. Okay, uh-huh.
1: so crime is number one on my list, yeah. followed by infrastructure.
3: I think probably, it's probably correct, one and two. But yeah. I would say there's another issue, and there's another issue that hasn't been talked about yet, but will be, and I know we're running out of time. Before I end, I want to say what a terrific Governor Eric Holcomb has been.
1: <laughs> what were you going to say before that?
3: There is a pride in Indi-
1: <laughs> We might run out of time before you get to there.
3: There's a pride in Indianapolis that was significantly damaged by the riot. I don't think the city's recovered from that yet. Yeah. I don't blame Joe Hogsett for COVID, you know, that kind of stuff. There's certain things that are just out of people's control, right? It's like blaming DeSantis for the hurricane. It's, his, it's what happens afterward, right? DeSantis right. on the it, hurricane. Was perfect. Sure. Basically. And how has the city come back from the riot? And uh, I don't know.
0: Maybe you could ask Holcomb next time you see him, because I know you guys are buddies, when the uh, Malik Muhammad statue is going to be out there in uh, in front of the state capitol. It's
3: right next to the Rob Kendall statue.
1: <laughs> Robert <laughs> Vane, one last question. Shreve spent $2 million on his campaign ads to the run-up to the primary. What's he going to have to spend to win?
3: to 10. That's, that's couch cushion money for that guy.
1: Nothing. Thank hey. you, Robert Vane.
3: Good to see you.
0: Articles in
1: indiestar.com Check it out. Coming up next, we're going to mind our manners with Susan Beckwith. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.
2: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits. Long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: It's time to mind your manners with Susan Beckwith. time to send you into the weekend on a positive note you know casey we do this segment every friday to close out the show because
1: well we have to be out there in society and we want people to behave yeah
0: we 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 (laughs) want our audience to leave heading into the weekend to be better people and when we think about who could help us best do that none other than the former miss indiana susan beckwith susan how are you
2: I'm doing great this Friday.
0: All right, so you chose specifically restaurant etiquette as our Mind Your Manners segment this week. Is that because you observe so much atrocious restaurant etiquette?
2: Well, actually, today is Cinco de Mayo, mm-hmm. and... Uh, never fails. We are at least at our favorite Mexican restaurant here in Noblesville every week and so I just started thinking about that and also thinking about the debate that Micah and I have every week about stacking plates when we're finished with the meal and whether or not that is rude. I do
1: that!
0: Yeah, let's start there and I can vouch that they do eat at this restaurant at least 93 times a week Uh, every time (laughs) after church. If we go to lunch together, we go to the same place Mm -hmm. and so, uh, okay, great. So my wife was a former server. She is adamant. We put all the trash on all the plates that have been stacked together. I think that that doesn't really help all that much. What say you?
2: So actually it is rude and I do the same thing, Casey. And so (gasps) Micah is the one that always is like, Hey, you know, you're not supposed to do that. And so I struggle because I feel like I'm helping. Me too. Yes, but in reality, a lot of times it actually can create more work for them, especially if they have a certain way that they like to do it. So I'm trying to uh, uh, to be better, uh, but that is like instinctual uh, for me to want to help. I'm
1: crushed. I thought I was, I never used to do it until recently. And then I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to stack them all and put it to the edge of the table, which makes it easy for
2: them. And
1: now you're saying I'm wrong. I'm crushed.
2: I'm crushed. <laughs> Well, I do the same, so I feel like I, I am trying to be uh, better about it as well.
0: Okay, let's ask about something else, because my wife and I also have this conversation. Is it indeed rude to flack down your waiter or waitress?
2: Yes. <gasps> Garçon. <laughs> technically you should try to utilize nonverbal cues to get their attention
1: <laughs> like eye contact hey come over here wait 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 wait
0: wait susan let me let me clarify i'm not talking about like you know snapping your fingers at somebody but if you need their attention it is rude to like just raise your hand or something of that nature
2: uh, ideally yes you are to try to utilize other nonverbal verbal Yes, yeah. <laughs> I am really uh, shocking the the team over there. This what morning. am I supposed to
0: do, osmosis?
2: You know what? You, I, I, feel like your personality, your big personality, would figure out a very creative way <laughs> to uh, to get their attention without raising your hands or waving the napkin.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Uh,
0: Susan Beckwith is our guest. It's the uh, Mind Your Manners segment. We're talking about restaurant etiquette today. Casey.
1: Okay, Susan, if you tell me one more thing that I've done wrong, I don't think I'm going to ever go out to eat again. Is it rude <laughs> to ask for the check before you're done eating?
2: No, I don't think it's rude to ask for the check uh, before eating. I do believe regarding the check, though, if you have a large party, you should definitely be in communication with your waiter beforehand to communicate that, to also ask if it's even possible to split the bill. And if it's not, then the kosher thing to do, especially if all the meals are about the same price, is just to split everything evenly.
1: All right, I got another one for you. Is it rude to ask for a boo? or a specific
2: seat. No. Now it is rude to Whew, go and just okay. sit down. It's rude to so what? It's it, it is rude to just go and take a seat. Yeah. You need to wait to be seated, but you can request absolutely a specific seat.
0: Okay, I want to come back to this, uh, the check thing, because uh, you know me, Susan, I am the world's most cheapest man. However, uh, I do feel a sense of obligation when I go out with other people to at least try to be courteous and pick up the check, uh, or offer to pick up the check, and then, hey, you guys get it the next time. However, the, recently, though, we did this, and the other people that we went with seemed kind of annoyed, because of that meant they had to get it the next time. And, of course, I was joking, saying, oh, no, it's fine. We'll get it this time. You guys get it next time. We'll go to St. Elmo's mm-hmm. next time and when you guys have to pick up the check. <laughs> how do you – should you offer to pick up the check? How do you have that hard conversation if there's a group of people?
2: If you'd like to pick up the check, you work that out beforehand with the waiter, and that way you're not discussing it at the table, especially with the waiter being right there present. So, as far, and I want to make sure I'm answering your question, so I may have to have you circle back to it, but as far as it, is it rude to pick up the check, absolutely not. Now you may not want to have the expectation that they for sure will reciprocate. So, you know, if you're going to be generous, uh, you know, you just may want to do that out of the goodness of your your heart without expecting something in return.
0: I, uh, that's why sometimes Micah will come to lunch if Susan has the kids. We always get it when Micah comes with us. Mm-hmm. That way it's his turn when
1: all the kids and Susan are there. I don't know what he's trying to say about you, Susan, that you order a lot of food. What? I don't know if I'd take that. Oh, we got it last time. It's your turn. Boy, what a bummer. All right, Susan, I've got another question for you. A lot of people have food allergies, specific things they can and cannot eat. What's the word on sending food back.
2: You don't want to wait till the end of the meal. If there is a problem, then you need to address it right when you receive it. You don't. I mean, regarding food allergies, that's a very different thing. But if you have a dish that you don't like due to taste, you certainly don't want to eat most of it and then complain. But as far as food allergies, that's an absolute health concern. So there should be no worry or you know hesitation to send it back. That oh. is not rude.
1: OK, now what if you're with a group of people and you've all received your food? Food, but one person is unhappy and has to send the food back. Do the remaining three have to wait no! until their food, their new dish arrives, no way. or are
2: they? Can they dig in? No, they do not need to wait. Okay,
0: <laughs> thank you.
2: <laughs> you do not need to wait. So. Yeah. You would wait to start eating until everybody's been served. Now, in that circumstance, if they're sending a dish back, you wouldn't want to delay everyone else's meal because it would be potentially cold by the time they got to enjoy it.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Susan, back with our guest. It is Mind Your Manners. We're talking about restaurant etiquette, so you people don't behave like a a bunch of uh, uh, lunatics over the weekend (laughs) at your various restaurants. Uh, One of the things that will shock you, Casey, is that when Susan's husband and I go to lunch Mm -hmm. we like to talk yeah and uh just like a couple of two cackling hymns uh
1: Uh,
0: and so we will sit there for a very long time after uh the the uh, meal is over and keep talking um about various things mostly me trying to get micah to formally leave the republican party uh (laughs) but you say we should we we linger too long is that what you're saying
2: Yes, you shouldn't linger, especially during busy times because that's a, you know, they need to turn tables to really make a profit. So just being really aware if you're there during a busy time. If they're slower and there's lots of tables open, you probably can take a little bit longer than, you know, when it's it's hopping, you know. So you just uh, need to be mindful of that. But, yes, that's how they, they make their money. So.
1: And which is interesting because in Italy, when you go to a restaurant there, they expect you to have the table for the full night. And if you ask for the check, they consider it rude. Ah! Like they want to keep bringing you food, which is completely opposite of what happens here. But I want to ask you the big tip question. Where are we with the tip? I know a lot of people say, oh, 15% is standard. It's now bumped up to 20%. And yes. uh, what if you're with somebody who you think is an under-tipper? Do you say something? Do you just walk out sheepishly? Where are we with the tipping?
2: I 20%, yes, is, you know, where... I believe that it should be 15 percent, especially when you take into consideration what they're getting on an hourly you know, wage. So 20 percent. And as far as you, you're concerned with somebody else paying the bill, maybe that's an opportunity for you to say, hey, I'll cover the tip. And then, you know, that it can really mm-hmm. uh, that they can be compensated well. Now, tipping for takeout, that's a very different situation. So I if I have a very complex order, a lot of times I will tip for takeout if it's a situation with like an over-the-counter like at Starbucks folks need to consider that when they hand you that electronic device you know it has all of the tipping options that just think of that as like another tip jar and hopefully that will take out some of the pressure because I know everybody's utilizing those these days and it's it's a lot
0: uh Susan before we let you go tell us about your fabulous website bell of the midwest
2: Awesome. Yes. So that's a great way to get in touch with me. Right now I'm booking engagements. So if you have a civic group, a a church group that would enjoy, I'm doing some ladies teas, I enjoy talking about social etiquette a tea etiquette, and so I would love to join you, and that's a great way to get in touch with me. There will be new blog content and information coming to my website in May, so continue to check back, but uh, right now you can see some of my former articles that I had written for Kit Magazine.
0: It's Belle of the Midwest, B-E-L-L-E, of the Midwest.com. Susan Beckwith, thank you for making us better people, and you have a great weekend.
1: (laughs) You too. Take care. Thanks, Susan. All right, we'll go forth and eat properly this weekend if you're out and about. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. Good job. And thank you for listening today. We're going to count on you to be back here on Monday. It's Kendall and Casey on 93WIBC.